So, friends, this is actually our second take of <laughs> <laughs> the first half of the show because I realized that I did not hit record and we had some great stuff for oh, y'all. Oh, it was super and- <laughs> good. Yeah. <laughs> Just believe us. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I'm so annoyed at myself right now. But I am trying to use our own practices and Jill is being very kind it's uh, totally at my fine. oversight. Um, so we're going to try to recreate that magic for you now that we're warmed up. And- this one's going to be even better. I know. It. We were just warming up before. <laughs> Welcome to Semi Together, a podcast about having some of your life together all the time. It's about working on where you want to get it together, using best practices from happiness and productivity research, while giving yourself credit for where you've got it together. I'm Malia Dicker, and I'm in Jackson, Mississippi. And I'm her sister, Jillian Burgess, and I live in Barcelona, Spain. In today's episode, we're talking about how language shapes our reality. But before we get into this topic, you have a for the record, don't you, Malia? I do. I talked in episode 17, Balancing the Past, Present, and Future, about my tendency to think about the past with rose-colored glasses and romanticized times past. And this week I was observing how I actually spent my time and energy. And while I do dip into nostalgia, most of my thoughts are focused on the near future, usually my to-do list or an idea that I'm mulling over about the podcast, or I'm anxiously dissecting something that I recently did that could be misinterpreted. (laughs) Yeah, I'm with you there. (laughs) Yeah. So I usually post on the Semi Together Instagram right after the kids go to sleep, which puts it very close to my own bedtime when I finish the post. And so hence, I'm going over it in my head, like as I'm falling asleep and when I wake up in the middle of the night, just to make sure that I've said everything as accurately and as best as I could. And I just want to make sure that I am understood and not mistaken. (laughs) Mistaken on information, for example, like I was up in the the middle of the night last night because Avery woke me up twice. So I was up at three in the morning editing my last Instagram post and and doing a quick Google to make sure that I remembered correctly that when you build muscle, you do tear it a little bit. (laughs) Because I don't do CrossFit and stuff. So I just like I'm remembering my high school gym class and hoping that my memory is accurate. <laughs> I'm impressed that it is. I would not have remembered that at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was impressed too. It's been a while since I've been to the gym. So um, so my fourth record is I actually spent most of my energy in the future time perspective, which dips into past positive and past negative. And I'm still working on cultivating that present time perspective. And this podcast is helping me know myself better for things like this. And I just wanted to set the record straight because I know you guys were all worried about it. It was, it was on your minds. So. I know. We've all been just sitting here being like, I don't know, Malia. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that doesn't sound quite right. So now you can rest easy. (laughs) Well, that's a relief. (laughs) (laughs) So now we can move on. (laughs) Okay, going forward. (laughs) We also wanted to share some listener feedback. My friend Sam messaged me recently to say about the podcast, I'm hooked. I absolutely love it. Sincerely, it's so human, relatable, helpful, motivating. And the podcast has given me literal joy, which is so nice. Oh, it's so sweet. I love that comment. I know. It really made us happy. So she said that she binged several episodes and that it's made her feel supported while she's embarking on something new, especially the episode on investing a bunch of time into something and then deciding to move on from it, which was our very first episode, Fresh Starts and False Starts. So thank you so much. It really makes us happy to hear that. And like we've said before, it helps us to know that we're not alone in these things either, that we're all going through a lot of the same stuff. Definitely. We tell you this all the time, listeners, and we will keep telling you. We love to hear from you. And we know that other people find it useful to hear how you're applying these tips and strategies as well. So send us an email or voice memo so we can share your thoughts on the podcast. 
Now we'll get into today's topic, how our language shapes our reality, especially when we're talking about ourselves. We cannot understate the importance of words. We are all in a relationship with ourselves, and the way we speak to and about ourselves goes a long way in influencing how we feel. It's not so much what happens that matters, it's the story that we tell ourselves about it. We are constantly constructing our own reality with these stories, which are made of words, and we can either construct a prison for ourselves or set ourselves free. When you pay attention to the words you use most often, you start to notice patterns, both positive and negative, in the relationship that you have with yourself. And I think about this when I'm berating myself for something I messed up or being generally self-critical. And I often do it in my head, but when I do it out loud, Brian is usually the person nearby and he'll say, hey, don't talk about my wife that way. Which, <laughs> Good, I'm glad he stands up for you. <laughs> I know. It's like, yeah, that bully's being mean to me, um, which is very sweet. And also a good reminder that I won't tolerate people talking trash about the people that I love, but I'm all too willing to do it to myself. Yes. When I hear my girlfriends putting themselves down, saying I'm so dumb or I'm such a mess, I say, don't talk about my friend that way. <laughs> and while I don't say these things out loud about myself, I do think them quite yes. o- quite often. Yes. <laughs> yes. And that could be more insidious, too, because, you know, you're not vocalizing it. So people can't even argue with it. It's just right. sort of in the back of your mind. It's just the soundtrack going through your head, which is really it's damaging and no one knows that it's going on besides you. Right, right. So we are going to take turns sharing some of the ways that language shapes our day-to-day lives. And we will start with the language that is not working so well and then talk about what to say instead. So I will go first. A lot of the time I feel like my inner critic is delivering a running monologue into a megaphone. (laughs) (laughs) So the takeaway is you are not enough, not productive enough, not a good enough wife and mom and community member. And you could be doing so much more good for the world if you could just get out of your own way. And sometimes it'll say, I try something and it's not going to work. So why even try? So as you're saying this, I think of like that dude in a big city who's standing on a street corner yelling into a (laughs) megaphone, like yelling just crazy things into a megaphone. Yeah, with like big signs, with like big messages. Exactly. And like, you know, you walk by that guy and maybe you're like, oh, he looks like he has some issues. I hope he gets the help he needs. But you don't like listen to that guy, right? Right. We don't think like that guy is speaking seriously. Right, right. right. But we listen to our our inner voices, our inner critics yelling the same kind of BS. Yes, (laughs) garbage. Yes, just spewing this vitriol. (laughs) Yes, I am going to use that image to try to. (laughs) It's much easier to dismiss some megaphone yelling guy in a street corner. (laughs) Right, exactly. And you're like, okay, buddy, like maybe you just sit this one out. I don't know if we need to be doing this right now (laughs) instead of like taking (laughs) that in as truth. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) Acknowledge and move on. (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) We'll set you free. Yeah. (laughs) I love that. Good. I'm glad. Yeah. I'm going to start using that too. I'm also speaking to myself because my yeah. inner critic is a real jerk. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, for me, so I am not a morning person, which comes as no surprise to anyone who knows me. Um, and Same. Yes. So weekday mornings are a huge challenge for me on an ongoing basis. And I don't work in an office, so I'm lucky that I don't have to be anywhere at a particular time for the most part. But as soon as the alarm goes off, it's just a litany of complaints. <laughs> you know, I'm just like, <laughs> just cranky to be awake. I'm just not happy about it. So I'm always saying things like, oh, I don't want to get up. Mornings are the worst. I have all these things to do. I don't want to do anything. And it just sets like a really nice tone for the day, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Good morning, sunshine. <laughs> I know. 
ready to greet the day. <laughs> yes, like, oh, it's so nice to be awake. <laughs> Isn't it great to be alive? <laughs> no, I'm jealous of morning people. I really I am. know. Who whistle in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I have been trying to sing a little more, like, in the shower, and that does make oh, me feel, good. like, a little happier to be awake in the morning. <laughs> yes. But generally, I am pretty cranky in the morning because I often am woken up by Avery overnight. Yes. And my brain, you know, will listen to, oh, I'm so tired, I'm so cranky, it's going to be tough to focus. And my brain says, okay, that's how you're going to be. <laughs> cool. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah, let's, let, let's get it going. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. And another thing for me, we've talked about this in previous episodes, about how we can both be pretty hard on ourselves when we make mistakes mistakes. So I have been working on not using shoulds and should haves as much since we discussed them in previous episodes. Not perfectly, but I am much more aware of them now. But I'm still really tough on myself with the language that I use. And it's usually about the things that I should have done or should have done better, even if I don't use those exact words. So I sent you a voicemail about this earlier this week. I was thinking about some of the language that I use with myself when I feel like I am procrastinating or I'm not accomplishing all of the things that I set out to do. So I will say things like, ugh, I'm so lazy, I haven't done this thing yet, or I am useless because I haven't yet checked this off my to-do list, or I haven't you know, left the house today, so I'm such a bum. And like really harsh language that I would never use with a friend. Um, so I've been trying to notice it and check myself on it, kind of the way that I have been with shoulds and should-haves, imperfectly, but working on it. Um, and so if I know I'm procrastinating on something, I'll just be like, gently, okay, it's time to work on this thing now, or it's time to tackle this thing now. Um, And then for other stuff, like, okay, I'm not lazy or useless or a bum. It's just like, okay, well, I'd like to go for a walk because I want to stretch my legs and get some fresh air. Let's go do that now. Um, And sometimes it's also managing my to-do list in a more reasonable and realistic fashion because sometimes I just put too much on there and so then I feel of course like I've done nothing at the end of the day when I haven't done all 50 things I've only done four so trying to manage those expectations and being a little bit kinder to myself I relate to this on so many levels. (laughs) I um, yesterday had an issue at work it was a minor issue with a project I just was beating myself up so bad, just like I am worthless, I screw everything up, I should have done this a long time ago, I shouldn't have procrastinated, and I really just have to catch myself and be like, okay, like that didn't go as you wanted to, but what can we do about it now? And the to-dos, for sure. My to-do list is always way, way too long, and so I have been a little better in the past few weeks about making like the big three. Michael Hyatt talks about the big three tasks that really will move the needle for you, and mine sometimes are still like the big four or five. <laughs> so I really want to narrow it down to three, but it's getting a little better. But yeah, if you set the expectation that success will be 50 things off your to-do list, then you're never going to be successful. <laughs> so right. Scale it back just a little bit. Right. Like, let's be reasonable here. Yes. And it's it's tough when you are really hard on yourself. I do the same thing with just like all of those ways that I've failed. And it's it's just a, it's a tough cycle to break. But baby yes, steps. In general, I just beat myself up so badly over the things I think I should have done to be happier in this in my situation now, like should have saved more money, shouldn't have procrastinated that project. And yeah, not super useful. No, it does not <laughs> help you be happier in this present moment. <laughs> right. 
not too much you can do about that. <laughs> nope. <laughs> yes. Another way that I notice language shaping my reality is in terms of my appearance. And I know that a lot of women do this in particular, guys as well, but mm-hmm. we're particularly harsh on ourselves and society's expectations of us are very high. So, oh, yes. And there's many, many companies that make tons of money off yes. making us feel bad about ourselves. Yes. <laughs> <Lots of laughs> cosmetics and weight loss and da da da. Oh, totally. Like every, every day on social media, I'll be like, oh, that's a product for a problem I didn't know I had, but cool. Right? Thanks, <laughs> thanks for planting that seed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Exactly. So on days that I'm not feeling my best, I will be looking in the mirror and usually in my head or also sometimes to Brian, lucky him, um, (laughs) I will be like, oh, you look rough today or didn't those pants used to fit better on you? They look really tight now. And, you know, it's just it puts me in a really bad self-conscious space. Yeah, I think of it as like a funhouse mirror, you know, when you look in the mirror, and it's just all warped. And I think so many women, we do that to ourselves, and especially now that it's bathing suit season. Um, Another example I had of this was, you know, that 10 10 year challenge that was going around Facebook recently, where it was challenging you to post a photo of yourself from 10 years ago on Facebook, and then post one from this year. And I I told Darren that I wasn't going to do it because I didn't want people to have to look at my wizened visage <laughs> from my current picture. You do have a way with words. <laughs> I do. Which I thought, you know, I was, I was joking. But it made me laugh. But also, I was like, maybe just be a little kinder to yourself. <laughs> maybe that's a little bit harsh and inaccurate. I don't know. Just <laughs> It did make him laugh. <laughs> I feel like my children have robbed many years off of my life. So <laughs> I've started finding white hairs lately, which is a real joy. And <laughs> I'm like, yeah, this one Evan did. And this is when Avery did this. And <laughs> Look what so, you're doing to your mother. I know. I'm trying to have a good attitude about it. You know, it's all my wisdom showing in my temples. <laughs> so much wisdom. And you look just as beautiful as you did 10 years ago. So Thank you, love. You do too. And Thank it does you. help to not have children wake you up in the middle of the night. So, <laughs> Sleep so enjoy that. so what can we do to choose our words more thoughtfully to be kinder to ourselves and also to create the life we want so here are a few strategies to try the first strategy is swap out words to reframe your thinking more optimistically so think of it like using find and replace in a word document Identify the words you want to change and replace them with positive alternatives. I love this image. It's so concrete. (laughs) Right, right. I was thinking about that when I was working in a Word document recently. I'm like, oh, this is what I'm trying to do in my brain. (laughs) That's such a great analogy. Yes. So in the book, What to Say When You Talk to Yourself, the author Shad Helmstetter talks about this process as reprogramming your brain like it's a computer. Your brain saves the messages it hears most often and wires them into your subconscious. But if you make those frequent messages positive ones, your brain will use them as the default instead of the negative ones. So this is neuroplasticity, which we've talked about in past episodes, or the brain's ability to adapt. And he writes, it is fine to throw out the old. It is essential. But it is also essential to replace the old with the new, word by word, thought by thought. I have a few examples of this. I love the phrase that a former coworker used for something a client wanted right away. It wasn't an urgent task. It was a hot task. (laughs) And that makes the task seem more exciting and motivates you to jump into it rather than something stressful to resent and avoid because they wanted it yesterday. Yeah, this is so fun. It's like, oh, hot task. Like, you know, some hot (laughs) gossip or something. Right, or like the hottest club in the city. (laughs) Jackson's hottest club. Jackson's hottest club is... (laughs) (laughs) That was a Stefan reference for any SNL fans out there. (laughs) 
<laughs> so another example is a while back, Darren and I decided to have a dedicated lunchtime once a week to look at our budget and discuss anything we needed uninterrupted time for, that is without the kids bugging us. So instead of a weekly meeting, which sounded procedural and like a drag, we called it a weekly meetup, which is more fun and appealing. Yeah, it's like a little meetup, a little date instead of like, yeah. okay, another meeting. <laughs> I know, get the agenda. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's a smart reframing. I love that. <laughs> I've been trying to think of something to do that's similar. So when I have cleaning or we're trying to do errands or tasks that feel and sound like drudgery. So I'm looking for suggestions if you or anyone has any. But even when I use the technique of, you know, setting a timer and calling it a speed clean, it makes it seem a little bit more like a game. So it's not exactly fun, but it's a little bit less tedious. Yeah, this totally works. Uh, even with kids who, like my son, don't usually clean up after themselves. <laughs> and when he sets a timer for three minutes, so then like, Okay, can I do it? Yeah, like how much can you do in three minutes? You know, (laughs) it does make it a little bit of a fun challenge. Yes, I would also love suggestions from listeners about errands because I'm like, oh, I've got to go to the grocery store and do this and that. But yeah, some kind of fun name for it. Right. Sometimes Darren and I will do like an errands date, but you know, we could probably even come up with a better name for it than that. Yeah, totally. <laughs> we will together. Exactly. Like, yeah, errands just has such a negative connotation. So I want something more fun. <laughs> yes. You can also use this reframing strategy to lighten the mood. So with weekday mornings, Brian is also not crazy about them, but it's better when we take kind of a silly, joking, like I always say, attitude toward them. So, you know, one of us will say like, all right, I'm ready to tackle the day or look at me go. I just love mornings. <laughs> Which, you look know. at me go. That's, so <laughs> That's usually said while like still lying in bed. <laughs> so, you know, it makes us laugh. And even if I don't believe it, because it's not really true, neuroplasticity says that I will internalize that message over time. Time. Yes, fake it till you make it, right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> I uh, do the same thing at work. Like if I'm feeling stressed as I'm talking about my to-do list, I'll like rub my hands together enthusiastically <laughs> and say, let's dive in, which my dear friend and coworker actually used to do for real. And I would like roll my eyes, but also envy the attitude. <laughs> oh, to be like that. That's wonderful. I know. <laughs> like really mean it. I know. <laughs> Excited to jump in. Well, when I am tired, which is almost every day, because Avery does still wake up a lot overnight, it helps when I think I'm just going to get some coffee and power through. And another substitution to make possibly the most important one is to replace should and have to with language of intention and choice. Like I want to, I get to, I choose to, or I will. And we talked a lot about this in our episode 13, Stop Shoulding, the idea that you or anyone else should do something is totally invented beyond you know treating each other with basic human decency. There are no shoulds in life. So releasing yourself of that should can change your life because it puts you back in the driver's seat. Yes, and we can stop shoulding on other people as well. Instead of we should eat at that restaurant or you should take a yoga class, say, let's eat at that restaurant or maybe you could take a yoga class. And suggesting an open-ended possibility instead of imposing an obligation makes it more fun, especially when it comes to something that is fun. Yes, it relieves you of a little burden that doesn't have to be there. Yes. Well, another strategy is to use language that empowers you and helps you own your space in the world. And this is especially for the women, given that we are socialized to make ourselves small and take up the least amount of space possible. Yes. Have you noticed how much women apologize compared to men? Comedian Amy Schumer has a spot on sketch about this where a bunch of highly qualified women are on stage for a panel discussion and they end up apologizing to each other and the male moderator for everything, for basically (laughs) existing. (laughs) 
And we even sometimes apologize to furniture when we bump into it before we realize that, that it's not a person. <laughs> yep, I've definitely done it many times. So I'm like, sorry, wall, my bad. <laughs> <laughs> and that Amy Schumer sketch really nails it. It's very I love true. it. We will link to that in the show notes. Yes. Well, I get I joke with my friends that I'm going to get a cattle prod and use it every time I hear a sorry. <laughs> and those little unnecessary sorries create a situation where someone else needs to forgive you and reassure you and sometimes feel bad. So save it for when you've really hurt or wronged somebody. Yes, definitely. In emails, especially work emails, instead of saying sorry for the delay, you can always say thank you for your patience. Mm-hmm. I saw an infographic on Instagram about this called Email Like a Boss that was a handy reference for empowering yourself with language in emails. So heads up for parents, it has a curse word in it, so you may <laughs> want to use headphones if your kids are around. And so the artist Danny Donovan writes, I have a bad habit of overusing exclamation points, emojis, and qualifiers like just and possibly to sound extra friendly and non-threatening in emails. Just wondering, just confirming, just checking, just making sure, just wanted to let you know. You are allowed to take up space. Your voice deserves to be heard. Your opinions matter. You don't need to apologize for existing or asking for what you need. You are not bossy or bitchy for not sounding like a pep machine 24-7. Yes, this so much. I definitely catch myself doing this because it is just kind of a systemic challenge that women are up against. You know, you don't want to be seen as too pushy or aggressive. And so we try to soften our very reasonable requests or demands in a way that makes us seem more likable. So I've been more conscious of this recently. So I will reread my work emails very carefully now for that kind of language and try to write more like a dude, Mm -hmm. be more confident and assertive and clear and use more declarative statements and fewer of those qualifying words like just wanted to check and see if you got that thing done that was due last week, possibly, you know, if it's not too much trouble. (laughs) Um, Like, sorry, sorry, (laughs) sorry, sorry that you didn't get that thing done. Yeah. Instead of like, hey, what's the latest on that thing? You know, like, yeah, like question mark, end of story. Right, right. That's that's the question and it's not me being you know bossy or annoying for asking about it (laughs) i know one of my biggest takeaways from cheryl sandberg's book lean in besides that bossy is a word only applied to women so (laughs) definitely don't use that word anymore um was how research shows that men are rewarded for being assertive like speaking up in meetings or highlighting their contributions to a project but women tend to be punished for that same behavior because it's perceived as aggressive so this is not fair at all in the least but because that is our current cultural reality it is something to be aware of so when we choose to act more like a dude we can do that with the awareness that it may not be as well received as when dudes actually do it but there are definitely savvy ways to do it where you come off as assertive and not aggressive and of course again this is not okay at all that we even have to think about this and i hope that both men and women will keep changing this culture yes and it is positive that we're even just talking about it now Mm -hmm. um i I don't remember having this conversation 10 years ago so that's maybe a sign of progress definitely yeah awareness is definitely the first step for sure well another strategy to change your language is talk to yourself like you talk to a friend So would you ever say to a good friend the things that you say to yourself? You're such an idiot. You never do anything right. You look terrible today. Of course, you would not because you would have no friends. (laughs) And you would be angry if someone said that to you. Yes, it's it's ridiculous the things that we say to ourselves. In the book Self-Compassion, psychologist and researcher Kristen Neff talks about self-compassion as the combination of self-kindness, mindfulness, and the recognition of our common humanity. She says that there is a better way to treat ourselves than with judgment and criticism. And she writes, to stop judging and evaluating ourselves altogether. 
to stop trying to label ourselves as good or bad and simply accept ourselves with an open heart, to treat ourselves with the same kindness, caring, and compassion we would show to a good friend or even a stranger for that matter. Sadly, however, there's almost no one whom we treat as badly as ourselves. And as we've mentioned before, this is something we're aware of, but still struggle with at times. Yes. Love starts with yourself. And it is hard to love anyone else fully without loving yourself first. So this is a worthy practice to dedicate yourself to. So when my inner critic gets on that megaphone about how I'm not enough, (laughs) I'm not going to take him seriously and work on pushing back like I would with a friend who is putting herself down. So like, don't talk about my friend that way. Look at all the good things you are doing. And besides, you are enough, not because of what you do but just because you are a part of the human family. Yes. Good. I'm glad because you are enough and you are doing so many things. So you deserve to give yourself credit. We all do. Thank you. And likewise, I will say the same thing exactly back to you. Thank you. (laughs) So you replay this podcast and listen as if I'm saying it to you. Yes. (laughs) It's good. So for our listener takeaways, the strategies again for choosing our words more consciously are one, Swap out words to reframe your thinking more optimistically. Identify the words you want to change and replace them with positive alternatives. Two, use this reframing strategy to lighten the mood. Even if it feels silly, saying positive things like, I just love mornings, or let's dive into this to-do list, can make you feel better about tasks you don't enjoy. Three, use language that empowers you and helps you own your space in the world. Let yourself take up space and use your voice assertively and without apology. Four, talk to yourself like you'd talk to a friend. Employ self-compassion and treat yourself with the same kindness, caring, and compassion you'd show to someone you love. Well, we hope those takeaways are helpful to you and let us know how they're going. Yes. Now it's time for Get It Together, Got It Together, a segment where we share something that's going well for us right now and something that we'd like to work on. And I will go first. My get it together is that I have been procrastinating a lot lately, hence all those inner critic monologues, (laughs) projects at work and planning trips for the summer, waiting until the last minute to get started and then feeling stressed to be scrambling. So I just read a Fast Company article that says procrastination is not a time management issue. It's an emotional management issue. And our brains are predicting that the task will not feel good. It's especially if we've been putting it off too long. So we avoid it. So I am trying to take a deep breath and stress less about what I should have done before and focus on what future results my actions right now are setting into motion. So Darren loves Cormac McCarthy stories, which I find a little bleak and A desolate. little bleak, yes. <laughs> but, but he says that whatever's happening to the main character at this moment, the character had started himself on that path long before with previous actions. Like Llewellyn Moss, the main character from No Country for Old Men, taking home a bag of money that wasn't his in the beginning of the story and getting into all kinds of trouble. <laughs> yes, that's a good way of looking at it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so like when you pick up that bag of money. Right. Like what, <laughs> which, what bag of money <laughs> are you Yeah, I'm picking up today? <laughs> like that. Yeah. <laughs> so my got it together is I really had to rack my brain, honestly, this week to think if I got it together because it feels like this week is all upside down and I'm just scrambling. But this week, I'm just going to give myself a gold star for simply trying. I'm trying to be a happier and a more grateful and kinder person so that I can live fully and contribute as much to the world as possible. And as a genetic pessimist, this is not easy for me. And it's a daily practice. So I am trying to practice that gratitude and optimism. And not everyone tries. Yes. And you are doing a great job by trying. And 
you got it together to record this episode when your week has been bananas. So you deserve credit for that yeah. too. And then re-record it after I forgot to hit record the first time. <laughs> we had to perfect it. We had to smooth it out. <laughs> we did. I know. It was meant to be. But hopefully listeners, that will give you some compassion for yourselves because we all do it. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. Even while talking about giving yourself compassion, <laughs> you're still beating yourself up. About it. So With gritted teeth, I'm giving myself <laughs> compassion. <laughs> I'm very compassionate. Yes. <laughs> well, Jill, what is your get it together got it together my get it together is that i've fallen out of some of the habits that i've adopted recently and have talked about in past episodes so like writing down three good things that happened each day which we talked about in episode 15 choosing optimism and doing a 10 minute headspace meditation when i get back from a class at the gym so the last couple of days i did get back into writing the three good things again but meditating has been just completely elusive for me. So I've been wanting to try to find the right time of day to do even just a mini meditation. I'll do the, you know, three deep breaths type of thing, but I'd like to have like a dedicated time for that, but I just I haven't done it. Yeah. Finding that time that you're pairing an activity with is so important it to is. form that habit. It really is. So I'm still working on it, but the little things. I'm I am happy that I the last couple of days I did the three good things practice because it does really make me happy and make me search for them during the day. It is nice. Like when we do those Instagram photo challenges, like you start just looking for yeah. things that are beautiful and happy and trains your brain. Exactly. Recommitting is such an important thing to do and realize that we all fall off of our habits and it's you can always recommit to it <laughs> and start fresh. Yes. And I think I want our listeners to know that just because we're saying I got it together, like meditation, you know, for I said that for my got it together the other day, but have not been doing that consistently. It's kind of an ebb and flow. Right. <laughs> it doesn't mean we've got that on lock forever. It's something that's a practice that you you do and then you may fall off for a while, but then you recommit and there's a lot of like nobility <laughs> recommitting. <laughs> yeah. Well that that's comforting. It's true. Like there are so few habits that you just do perfectly forever. So mm-hmm. just being like, okay, well, fell off for a few weeks, but let's get back into it and being kind. Yes. Like I mentioned a workout, you know, that I'd borrowed Darren's headphones for a workout, but those are few and far between these days. And it's from YouTube Zumba. (laughs) Yeah, which is awesome. (laughs) My got it together is that recently in the last few weeks, I've been really good about washing and prepping vegetables as soon as I get home from the store, which is something I always want to do, but I rarely actually do. Um, (laughs) So when I pick up our CSA basket, for example, I take the time right away to wash the lettuce and put it in a container in the refrigerator and wash the strawberries and cherries so that they're ready to snack on. So making eating fruit and vegetables um, really easy and convenient, it makes a big difference. So we tend to just consume everything before it goes bad when I do that. Otherwise, things will languish in the the bin in the the fridge for a, a few days. Yes, I would like to be inspired by this and pick up that practice because we have definitely thrown out some veggies from our CSA that we yes. haven't gotten to because they've wilted or gotten rotten. Totally. We've done it too. And I hate that because they're so beautiful and I, I hate wasting I food. I know. Same. You can pickle them or you can freeze some of them. Yes. Yes. Um, veggie stocks are great when they're kind of getting wilty. I've been there. So I'm trying to like do the thing I know helps. In the last few weeks, I've actually done that. Way to go. Well, that is all for this episode of Semi Together. You can find show notes at semitogether.com with a recap of this episode and links to the resources we mentioned. What kind of language do you tend to use and how does it shape the way that you think, feel, and act? If you try out the strategies we shared today, let us know how they're working for you. Email us at podcast at semitogether.com or send us a voice memo. You can also leave a comment on our Instagram or Facebook page at Semi Together. 
why not share the podcast with a friend who would enjoy it or find it useful? We both have learned about some of our favorite podcasts from friends and have gotten a lot out of them. So please recommend us to a friend. Yes, share the love. Yes. Well, thanks for listening to Semi Together because take it from us, you have it more together than you think you do. like Llewellyn Moss in Old Country for Old Men taking home a bag of money that wasn't his in the beginning. I think you said Old Country for Old Men. <laughs> I'm not entirely sure. I'm really killing it today. I'm going to have to do all these little, like at the end, just like a string of like flubs and bloopers. At work, it helps when I think I'm going to just put on some coffee. Oh, we have a Keurig. <laughs> Lies. Um, I know. Right? That is not accurate. I do not want to do a for the record about that. <laughs>